Before we get started, I want to share some information about organic superfoods. If you're feeling like you need a boost in your nutrition, check out the link below. We have a wide variety of supplements and products which are the most nutrient-dense on the market. If you're looking for products where results matter, look no further than here. And the best part is, if you see something you like, I'm offering you the chance to get a great discount with my personal code. All you have to do is shoot me a message on any of my platforms which are linked in my Hoobie below. Thank you. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Ascension Show. It's great to have you guys here with me today. I'm joined by my friend, Eric. Um, Eric, I met through our little superfood business, and he's now become a friend of mine, and I hope to um, meet him in person one day. Eric, why don't you give us a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, so I'm happy to be here, and uh, my background is in holistic health. Uh, mind body spirit alignment I studied with uh, Paul Check and various other mentors going into the integration of the physical body uh, the mind your emotions and into your spirit uh, so there's many layers many facets um, yeah that's that's basically my background <laughs> awesome man thanks for sharing um, it's interesting all right how did you work with Paul Check personally are you or is it uh, course of his I, I've met him a few like a few times, but most of it has been online through his courses or different live events or workshops. Uh, but most of those were led by his instructors, which are very highly skilled. So I, I would really, you know, if anyone's interested in that field, uh, their system is really comprehensive and uh, I'd really suggest, you know, exploring it on some level. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, there's lots of good things like I hear lots of good things about that those programs um I'm pretty sure Troy is check certified um so that that's good stuff man um I kind of wanted to jump jump straight into it because um of our quality of conversations um and I know that we wanted to talk about the new age type of philosophy new age culture and whatnot and, and maybe some of the pitfalls of that 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 has, you know, on a personal level, on a cultural level and, um, about, you know, even the benefits that can arise from new age pitfalls, because, you know, if there's something bad happening, something's good is going to happen too, considering, um, just equal and opposite reactions with stuff. So, um, I would love it if you kind of started off with, with your own experience with the, with this, all this new age stuff going on. So I first kind of came on to this stuff. It was, mm, let's see, I was around 22 at the time. So it was four years ago. And I came across some YouTube videos. And it was people talking about like, uh, you're, you know, a spiritual being having a human experience and all this stuff. And at the time, you know, I didn't really know anything about that, but I was open to it. And I was like, oh, that, you know, that sounds interesting. And that makes sense. Uh, and, you know, early on, my exposure to it had a lot to do with um, they were talking about like frequency. And so they had this chart of frequency that most people have probably seen has like the different emotions of uh, fear to love to uh, all these different things. It's a chart and it shows you a number next to it. And there's a, uh, you know, that's the frequency. So it's like the high vibe thing. Uh, and, you know, as I've kind of gone uh, further down this journey, I've realized that while in some cases that is true and valid, uh, in the, at least in my personal experience and what I've seen, how it's potentially limited others as well, is it gets you thinking in the sense of like moving to achieve some sort of state or frequency, when in reality, I believe that our inherent state is that of uh, really a, like a very blissful state in our soul, our soul experience. Um, and so there really doesn't need to be any striving or moving towards frequencies in that regard, uh, as long as we're not carrying a lot of uh, physical baggage from the type of foods we're eating or th uh, different things we're being exposed to, as well as emotional and psychological baggage, uh, our frequency should inevitably be pretty pure, and that's natural. And also, it's important to note that we're going to fluctuate. That could fluctuate from day to day, uh, even different times throughout the day. Our state is going to fluctuate. All of our cells are going to fluctuate. 
that's a natural occurrence. Um, and so the problem that I ran into with this frequency thing, and that I've seen many others fall into, is that you begin to resist or you can potentially resist anything that's not a certain frequency because that's like your goal set to be, at least this was my experience, was like that frequency. And then anything not, it's like, either consciously or in my case it was subconscious like you're resisting experiences that aren't in alignment with that whereas if we simply allowed that experience to be accepting whatever emotion that we might be judging or labeling as um non-beneficial uh if we simply allow it to be there it will dissolve and pass very quickly actually um on its own accord so yeah that's that was kind of my original uh experience with that kind of thing do you have any thoughts or opinions on uh that that realm <laughs> um based on what you said something that resonated with me was how when we try to attune to this type of frequency that you're speaking of i feel like it's more returning to our natural state instead of trying to cultivate something yourself um so like you like you spoke upon with the foods and with you know with the food that that brings all this physical baggage if you're not eating the right foods if you're not thinking the right thoughts then you're not going to really resonate at that frequency that will that will help optimize your your circumstances your experience of life and so i feel like if you're returning to your natural state returning to what you're innately supposed to do eating good foods thinking good thoughts being outside and and it, honestly i feel like it's rather simple and when you turn to this natural natural state then in that sense that you'll you'll be vibrating at that desired frequency which you just spoke upon yeah yeah i completely agree and uh you know something that rose in me to share as well is you know i've gone down the path of like super disciplined like exercise diet some point all these kinds of things uh and also having an aspect of you know inner listening and learning to listen to my body in that sense um but even down that path you know, the, the pitfall I fell into is getting too rigid about things. I mean, like, oh, this is healthy, this is not. Or a big thing for me was, like, uh, affirming that I had uh, limitations to certain foods, which, in reality, perhaps there's foods that would be beneficial for me to avoid more so. But now I, I tend to reaffirm myself that my body can handle pretty much anything, though I, I do tend to gravitate towards uh, you know, whole foods, cleaner, you know, sourced things. Um, but even in like my exercise or sleep or these different other lifestyle factors, um, having that flexibility has been a huge, uh, shift for me because I was so linear, so disciplined and on it. And that actually showed up, you know, all this stuff is, is stored in our body. So that rigidity was actually like, you could see in the way I moved, like that was stored, that tension was stored in the body. I was rigid in the mind. Um, and so, you know, my philosophy is more so coming to that middle way of not too much, not too little, and finding balance in that. And for me, a lot of that balance has been allowing myself to experience different things and being more open to new experiences or new ways of looking at things that I otherwise would have been closed off to. And that has been like tremendously healing for me on all levels of just having that openness. And you know, something I've been exploring a lot, a lot lately has been the concept of like uh, thy will versus my will and not from necessarily a religious sense, but like more of a attuning to uh, how can I put this? If you watch ants, for example, ants will be each one of them's already like knows what to do. Like they, they're just kind of doing their job and they just do it. And it's very instinctual. So they're, to my, like, my opinion, they're following, like, thy will or, like, the one mind of the ant, so to speak. And so they're just, like, carrying out their tasks. So in the same way, I feel that we have the ability to tap into, you know, the collective consciousness and that one mind. And from that place, there is an optimal action or words for us to speak or a certain thing to do that would be optimal not only for ourselves but for everyone and an important note with that is that action could be you know anything and it might even seem that it's more self-oriented for example uh thy will might be to get some rest if you need rest because then you are going to be able to contribute to the whole more 
So just because you're doing thy will or tuning into that doesn't mean that you're always doing stuff for other people. Like nourishing yourself is an important part of that. And to tie that back into the flexibility, I've been kind of exploring this as a meditation of just tuning into thy will. And it feels when I'm uh, exploring this that I'm very much pulled to different things or inspired by sources to take certain actions. Right. And so at the, uh, I was getting some plants, like different trees and shrubs and stuff to, uh, to plant. And I was, you know, tuning into which plants wanted to come. And so uh, that kind of deal. And at one point while I was out, uh, I was like drawn to this like little bakery. So I checked it out. I really didn't know why I was going to the bakery, but I had this draw to go there. And I, you know, I, I don't really eat a lot of things that you would buy at a bakery. So, but, you know, I was just open to the experience. So I went in there. And, you know, just from looking around, there's a lot of items. I was like, oh, oh that would be like really good. Um, and immediately I had this urge to go to this like kind of back cooler. And there's these cupcakes on the bottom. And I just grabbed them and like bought them. And there's all these other things like from my mind or my will, I could have like bought and been like, oh, that would be good. And sure, they would have been. But I was just following this kind of uh, inner knowing and I got these cupcakes that I probably would have never bought otherwise. And I ended up bringing them home. And I think it's a good, you know, analogy for life because when I ate them, they ended up having this like really unique, like kind of coffee flavored icing that I had no idea. And they ended up being better than I expected because I went in with no expectation. I was just like, oh, well, basically my higher self is leading me to get these cupcakes. And so I did. And then it was better than I expected because there was no expectation. It was just like, oh, we'll see what happens. Um, so that was like a long tangent, but hopefully that was. No, there's good. there's a lot to unpack from that. One thing I got from that part more in the beginning was was your uh, notion of balance. So being very rigid with your diet, it actually can be a little bit counterproductive but to be very rigid with your diet. If you're absolutely close minded to just being a little bit more open. I like to think about the 80 20 rule because I'm the same. I'm, you know, I'm battling with that at the moment. Like if I'm in a place where I can't necessarily get that kind of nutrition, you know, for eating at a restaurant or, you know, somebody else is cooking instead of me, it's sometimes it would be hard for me to be open about, okay, you know, that, that isn't in my control right now, but, but it's more about the balance. If you're, doing practicing the 80 20 rule with your nutrition then there's nothing wrong with it and and you're still living an open life and i noticed that when you're kind of closed off to accepting the openness you you will be more stiff you will be more tense um in your mind and it shows in your body exactly like how you just said and in terms of the the cupcake story i think that's really interesting and it goes to speak about following your intuition and just letting like listening to yourself a lot of times we're spending a lot of our attention being distracted and we're not really attuning ourselves to with what goes on inside of us because that we actually have a guide inside of us and and that guide whether you be it you know within us or some higher power or some guardian angel whatever you want to believe it's still there guiding you and and you can spend your life being distracted from it and not listen to it or focus on on that which is guiding you and is actually helping you. And and like you said, having no expectations on these cupcakes and you actually try them and they were a lot better than you thought they were. I think that goes to show with a lot of things when you have predisposed expectations on on anything, um, on a friendship, on a relationship, on on food, on a job, you might come out dissatisfied because you have a prefixed conceptualization of what something should be that's actually going to be contrary to reality once it plays out in front of you and a conceptualization is only a what what your ego creates from its own desires but reality itself doesn't play to what your ego that inner basically false ego i'd say creates and and part of Part of attuning yourself to this inner guardian, I, I want to say, or inner guide is deconstructing this, this false ego, or basically not listening to it, tuning it out, so that you don't have these expectations on the way reality unfolds in front of you, so that when reality does unfold, 
and you know every second you'll be able to attune yourself to this inner guide be present and also become the creator of your reality because reality will unfold in front of you and you can basically engineer that reality to fit with your thought patterns whereas if you were fixated with your expectations and your preconceived notions on how life should be and how things should play out you'll never live a reality of your desires because you're so preconceived on what you want inside your head and what those desires are yeah and you know that makes me uh you know think of what is the mind you know and the mind is really a tool for cutting and so it decides and so a friend of mine the way she presented it to me and this really resonated is that the mind is meant to be a still pool that is there to receive uh visions or insights or different things so if you imagine a still pool and then now a thought is planted on it uh and then you can cut either yes or no or whatever you're deciding on that or you can cut things away um to decide you know decision decision to be a cut so uh the problem being is you know our society there's so much mental chatter and like all this information overload on so many levels that this now very still pool is just cluttered with so much and so this process of simply cutting receiving and cutting becomes much more convoluted in nature yeah it's um there's lots of like you said lots of distractions in brain chatter we we have access to complete infinite knowledge with these little magic boxes and i think that tends to overwhelm uh the all, all of us and in that kind of all these stimulants, I feel like we have a lot of stimulants as well. Um, you know, we have these cheap dopamine, we can get a fix on dopamine really quick. And, and that kind of keeps the brain in a constant state of chatter where you're not really fixated on what's going on in the present moment, you're fixated on what's going on in the past and how the future will play out. And all these worries and thoughts and desires and thinking about all these different things that aren't really true, because they're not occurring what's right in front of you. And I, I really like that example with the cutting board because you can choose to cut it away from your reality or or put it in like, you know, a separate place where you accept it into your reality. Um, so I think that's really resonant. But I like to um I like to think about, you know, when we are finding all these distractions, the first part of it is is becoming aware that, you know, this is this is what's causing your brain chatter and all those distractions and stuff, and becoming aware of when you're actually subliminally seeking this, you know, hit in dopamine that's coming from your phone or coming from fake food or coming from coffee. Even um, I, I've been kind of observing my my fixation with a cup of coffee in the morning or the desire to want to check my phone when you know consciously I don't you know, I don't want to check my phone when I first wake up, but that's something that subconsciously it's like a little trigger and and the first part of changing it, I feel like it's just being aware. Yes. And you know, that comes from a practice, right? Do you have like some kind of meditative practice that you engage with? Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll, you know, it's, I'll, I'll, you know, turn off my alarm and get straight on the mat to meditate, but it's still this subliminal, subliminal urge. It's kind of programming to just want to tap into that, to that, you know, action habit. Well, you know, like you're saying, like that starts the awareness and, you know, that's a huge step in the process. And then, you know, tying it back into the mind, like this is how we can use the mind as an effective tool is we can begin to notice like meditation brings us like the awareness and stillness, the space creates the space so that we can process this information so that that pool is a little bit more still and we can begin to effectively navigate it. And then we can say, like, um, we, we first we notice it, right? We notice an urge to take some kind of action. And a good practice to do is to stop when we notice that urge, uh, become aware of it. And then logically, what is the most likely outcome if I take this action? And then observe that. And you'll know if you're being honest with yourself what the most likely outcome is. If it's a habit or an addiction or different things you've engaged with in the past, uh, you'll have a sense of like, okay, this is what usually happens if, if I do this. And then you can 
consider a loving alternative. So that could be to take a walk or to go um, journal or do whatever like loving alternative or like if it's a food thing, it could be to eat something different that's like more nourishing for you. And that would be your loving alternative. Uh, and then a philosophy I learned, I forget the guy who taught it, but he said uh, to take the easiest action. And this actually made sense to me uh, because I, you know, I've worked with different people and these different habits and stuff like that and like coaching them through it. And even in my own experience, uh, it, it can become very challenging, especially if you have a very strong inner critic or inner judge when it comes to like, okay, well, I know I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing this thing, but I'm doing it anyway. That can be very like self-defeating. So I, I like the philosophy actually of taking that easy, easiest action. And he gave the example of uh, cigarettes. And he said, you know, someone might smoke uh, cigarettes and it might be they go through this process. They pause. They say the most likely outcome, I smoke this cigarette and then whatever happens. And then their loving alternative could be to just take some deep breaths. Uh, and the easiest action might be to smoke that cigarette. And so they do. And that's fine. Uh, because they're developing that awareness and they're becoming aware of what is the outcome of their actions. And then he said it might be a hundred a hundred times later that they might realize that the easiest action is not to smoke that cigarette. And so eventually you'll get there, especially if you begin to associate. Uh, and there's a balance aspect to that. For example, with the cupcakes, like eating one might be nourishing on many levels to you, both physically, emotionally, all these different things. Um, but if you were to eat, you know, three or four or whatever of them, that might not be so nourishing. It might actually be poisonous to you. Um, and so finding that balance of the choices you're making and associating them with the outcome to the degree that like, and being very neutral about it. You're just like, hmm, like, okay, that's interesting. That's what happened. I took this action. I ate that one cupcake. I felt great. My body felt great awesome and you kind of categorize that but not from a place of judgment but more so just like a, a noticing you're just witnessing you're like okay interesting now let's say you ate four of them and now like your stomach hurts or your your brain feels weird or you know whatever happens you have some digestive issues uh then you can begin to notice okay well the one cupcake was great and then i four, four of them that was not great uh and just becoming aware of that i don't even like the words like the wording can get weird because it is, I don't even want to say like not great. It would just be suboptimal would be a better way to put it. Mm. Uh, and just noticing, you know, the choices that we make, what is the likely outcome of it? Because that begins to allow us to choose in the future. What do we want to invest our time and energy and attention into? It's like, do we want to create the experience of this amazing upliftment from eating this treat? that we don't usually eat. That's another thing. When we don't usually eat certain things, they're much more rewarding to us. So like moderating on that level makes things more nourishing. That's why they say less is more. Um, so I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on that as well. <laughs> I think the power of dissociation is really, is really um, important when it comes to this concept of trying to break from break free from these this programming is basically just programming in a sense, um, whether it's yourself or from outside forces. But if you can practice dissociation while simultaneously practice being the observer of the thoughts and the actions that you subliminally have, then you can, it can help you become emotionally aware of exactly what's going on. So like you said about the cigarettes thing, it's subliminal, subconscious for this, person to you know this smoker to smoke cigarettes but it, like you said becoming aware and just observing the the cues and the responses that come with smoking cigarettes and trying to break the habit you can begin to understand how how the habit itself works what its triggers are and what what makes it come into what makes it manifest basically and when you can practice dissociation, you don't necessarily judge yourself in the same sense that you would if you were kind of engulfed within the issue itself. Um, I Someone told me this and I've, it stuck with me all, for ever since then, but I heard the uh, like affirmation, I am the casual observer of my thoughts and the engineer of my reality. And, and it, it's kind of, it was powerful to me because casual observer, when you're just 
observing these these things that come with from within you that you're not necessarily aware of before then that's when that process of improvement or deconstructing this this negative behavior that you have can can really begin to get working and i think it's important that you don't judge yourself for for things it's hard to not be very critical of yourself but that's another part of detachment and observation that that comes with it and it's definitely more of an acquired it's like an acquired skill it takes practice because you're dissociating and you're deprogramming yourself yeah and you know i think the beauty is these patterns tend to using this approach they tend to kind of dissolve themselves because you're bringing into awareness and you're also bringing in the what happens as part of that like observation so you're saying okay i took this action and i noticed in hindsight it actually seemed pretty harmful to me and then you know you might go through that however many times it takes but eventually the easiest action is going to be to not engage with that because you're you're going to know like you're going to bring this stuff from the subconscious these drives you're going to be begin to associate okay this this drive to take this behavior is now showing up and I've now seen time after time after time that this has led to a further detriment of my system as a whole, and it doesn't feel good. And so you're just not going to want to do that anymore. Um, because a lot of times, you know, actions or behaviors we're doing, we're doing either out of habit or because it's an instant gratification kind of thing, or there's different reasons, um, programming, like you were saying. Uh, but many times we can actually associate something that's harmful or detrimental to us and associate it as a beneficial experience. But when we start to reframe it, uh, we can begin to see things as they really are and say, is this truly benefiting me? And if so, how? And then is it detrimenting me? If so, how? And finding the amount, right? Because uh, something in moderation can be definitely beneficial like we discussed, but uh, in excess or not enough can also be detrimental. So finding that middle ground where we can uh, have that experience I think it's great to um when you talked about you know these these triggers or actually I forgot kind of forgot what you said but all the behaviors that that we have it's easy to it's easy to become aware when you realize that every behavior is negative neutral or positive and stuff stuff like you know drinking water and eating food to nourish yourself taking a shower, brushing your teeth, that can be positive stuff. And then there's negative stuff, such as smoking cigarettes or staying on your phone too longer than you should, or talking bad about yourself or talking bad about somebody else. These are that those can be considered negative habits and some neutral habits are basically, I mean, what could it be like driving your car? Um, and so when we can end up labeling habits and behaviors as positive negative or neutral then we can become aware of which habits are actually not keeping holding us back from where we want to be and i also think the part where you talked about becoming aware of these negative behaviors and become fixating your your energy on being aware and observing these behaviors how it actually dissolves these behaviors over time, I think that's quite reminiscent of, reminiscent of what we just spoke about before, how we're trying to achieve that higher frequency and how basically it's returning to your natural state. And if we're fixating our awareness on these negative behaviors and eventually they dissolve, that we're just in essence returning to our natural state through these negative behaviors that are dissolving. Yes, and uh, I would even say that, you know, all experience uh, can be seen as neutral. I think a really helpful way to look at it would be to see it as is something I'm doing life affirmative for both me and then you can bring that further into your relationships or into the society as a whole and saying it is this life affirmative because a good like an example of that we can bring it back to the cupcake like so you know, I'm eating clean, I'm doing all this stuff, doing my exercise, everything. And like we were talking about the flexibility and rigidity, like it can get very disciplined. So that cupcake is like throwing some flexibility in there. So it, it's emotionally and psychologically nourishing. 
physically probably is not really providing that much for the system. But as a whole being, integrative mind, body, spirit, uh, it's what's called an energetic positive because it's adding nourishment. Uh, Now, it might be less so like we were saying if you had the four. So if you had four, then now that physical detriment might be so low that it's now offsetting the small emotional positive that you're getting from it, um, if that makes sense. (laughs) So it's therefore no longer life affirmative. Because yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. At negative at the end of it, energetically. Yeah. If you look at yourself, battery, which is not a perfect uh, analogy, but we'll go with it. Can you say that again? I think. Yeah, have... I said uh, if you look at yourself like a battery, you're in like a net negative charge. Oh, yeah. But not a perfect analogy, but you get the point. Yeah, no, that that makes sense, and I think I think it just comes down to comes it comes down to. I know the labels can be one thing, but it comes down to where exactly you want to be and the kind of idealized life that you want materialized. And it also depends on, on your overall awareness. And if you are aware of, of these things that you want to change, then, you know, you're basically already there. You just need to keep putting in the time and the, the energy into focusing on being aware of these these you know bad bad behavior well labeled bad behaviors you know suboptimal yeah that's a better way to put it suboptimal um yeah because you know at the end of the day it is a label um and in it's either optimizing your your essence your persona or it's suboptimal like you just said um and i i think i think something that something that really resonates with me at what you just said is if it's if it's aiding to, if it's optimizing your mind, body, and spirit, because I think a lot of times people will fixate on just their body. And, you know, if they're thinking about, if they're in the, like, for example, they're in the gym, they're lifting weights, they look great. You know, they got the muscles, they got the six pack, they got the at or the pecs and whatnot, but they're drinking the pre-workout to get ready and they're eating the goat, you know, the, the gum protein after, is that you know it's nourishing their body but is it nourishing their mind and their spirit with all the all the extra stuff in that pre-workout and that that protein powder and whatnot um even well, though and you, in their their poor organ systems that have to process all that uh yeah it's definitely not great for the body but they look good is what i'm trying right. to the fit sick people as my my mentor would call them <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's it's definitely interesting and i think that also that also comes from detachment right when we're when we think about mind body spirit because we live in a material realm i think you said this um before we hit record but being a spiritual being having a human material experience and so when we can detach ourselves from our human experience from our physical body from the physical things and in the realm and we think of it in a more energetic and spiritual way then we can detach we, you know, we detached ourselves from the physical body and the physical realm in, in, a, in some respect. And then we can begin to work on these suboptimal, optimal behaviors. Yeah. And uh, I think, and, you know, a good place to bring this now is into the aspect of cleansing and detoxification, because that's really how you begin to get to these places where you can clearly discern is you start to be more conscious of the energy and information you're putting into your body, both through what you're consuming, uh, through nourishment, through quality of water, uh, and even air quality, or even the information that you're consuming, uh, the quality of the information, and also quantity, how much information can you actually process. Um, and so detoxification, you know, that could look like uh, different juice fasts, uh, water fasts, different things like that. Um, or there's a lot of different protocols you can do. Uh, that's a long rabbit hole. But also uh, psychological and emotional detoxification, which is equally, if not more important. And there's many processes that can be described for that, such as journaling, um, a lot of exercises to bring awareness to certain things. But on the most simple of levels, I would highly suggest anyone, if they don't have a practice like this, to begin exploring 
even if it's five minutes a day, but do it every day, no matter how hard it might seem and it'll oscillate, but five minutes of, uh, observing the space between your thoughts. Dude. And yes. Super simple. Uh, and some days it might be really hard. Others might be really easy, but creating that space and cultivating that practice every day, because that's, what's going to allow you to go deeper into your healing. Cause for me, like that process of observing the space within your thoughts is a prerequisite to true emotional healing. Because otherwise, at least in my experience, what I've seen with different clients is the mind will just block so much of the healing and create so much resistance. So it, it feels very important to create that space within the mind to allow the emotions to flow without them getting uh, interfered with by the mind. Um, and for our emotions to heal emotions, literally all you have to do is just feel. And the deeper you can feel them, they will process. And the deeper you can feel them uh, from a place of like, ideally, and this takes practice, but ideally you get to a place where you're going purely into the emotion. There's no, there's very little association with where that emotion came from. Very no, like no thoughts or labels attached. You're just feeling pure experience. You're so present with it that that's all your experience is, is whatever that emotion is. If you can reach that state, which comes through clearing your mind and then focusing only on feeling and just relaxing into it, it will dissolve the fastest in my experience because you're basically what you're doing by focusing on it and being fully present with it, you're expanding it. And as you expand it, it begins to process. And as it processes, it begins to dissolve. And so I've been through this on a very deep level and it, you know, different emotions continue to process, but, um, it can take time and it can feel very like there's many times where I was sitting, I was like, well, you know, is this ever going to end? And it will end. And the beauty is, uh, you know, there's many analogies of this in different religions and, um, archetypally it's like they, they speak of like spiraling descent into hell, which is analogous of spiraling into the subconscious and digging up these traumas, these wounds, these shadows. And inevitably, once you spiral down enough, there will be an upward spiral that naturally happens. This ties back into what we were describing earlier, as your natural state is actually one of like purity and bliss. Um, and that's what that's that upward spiral that naturally happens when you go into the depths, into your roots, into your subconscious, and process what is lurking in there. Um, and it's all archetypes, you know, it's all part of us. So it's not there to be denied, it's there to be integrated. And there's medicine in those experiences that we can share with people. Dude, I am so happy that you brought up listen for the space in between thoughts, because this was actually something that was discussed briefly on a previous episode where we discussed that that same concept, listen for the space in between thoughts. And another great thing to to train your mind on is what will my next thought be? Because that's another thing that helps you say, or you sit in that space in between this thought and this thought, and, and you can catch it for a brief moment. And it is an acquired skill. You'll have to practice it. But, you know, I've practiced um, not as much, you know, not as much as you, I'd say, but I've practiced enough where I, I was sitting in that silence for for 30 seconds, maybe. And it was it was quite blissful um, just, you know, in, in between that space. And I really didn't know that something like that existed because you would always think there's just a constant stream. But sometimes that constant stream can be suboptimal. And and when you are able to kind of take a little bit more influence on that stream like you said you can begin to process these emotions and i feel like the the built up tension that's that comes from these emotions that you know may be suboptimal to your existence are in your brain and so there there's all that energy stored and that's maybe why you have a consistent thought stream that you can't seem to stop and that brings about negative thought patterns and and i feel like that that tuning into that space is really important for becoming aware. Um, and I love how all these topics are tying into each other very nicely. Well, and, you know, I can say, cause I was a master of uh, suppressing emotions 
and using the mind as a way to crystallize them without even realizing I was doing it. And so a lot of my process has been unfreezing all these different emotions and feeling them to the depth that I can and going into the depths of them. And underneath them was all the juicy, good feeling emotions like passion is associated with the liver, which associated with anger. So underneath all whatever anger you're feeling, that's that passion, that vigor for life. And underneath the uh, guilt and shame, these kinds of things, that's where all the sweetness is, the sweetness um, for the flowers and the trees and the air you're breathing and the water, the sweetness is in uh, underneath those emotions. So as we unfreeze these emotions, it allows the full spectrum to flow. And as we allow that full spectrum to become our experience and we just allow it to continue to flow. For example, I'm here with my parents now. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of inner work, different things, psychologically, mentally, whatever, uh, emotionally. And I still get triggered by all kinds of different things. Though the process now that I engage with, because I used to resist it, and I would resist and then I would judge and then there'd be this whole like downward spiral. Uh, and through allowing and neutrality, now I just notice like I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling okay. Like I notice I'm feeling this and I do my best not to judge it or even label it, just to notice it and feel it. And so I might feel a sensation and then I'm like, hmm. And then if I have a thought come up or I start to resist that, I go back to the feeling and I just feel, okay, now there's a sensation about the sensation. And then I'm feeling and I'm feeling deeper and deeper. And from that place of allowing and feeling uh, very, very quickly within like 30 seconds to a minute, uh, usually whatever has come up is already gone. It just passes because you allow it and you feel it. You don't intellectualize it, which I was like very accustomed to doing. <laughs> Right, right. I think um, that's that's definitely the desired outcome to be able to to um, not brush off the emotions, but be able to help. You, they help. process, you know. Excuse me. Uh, you know, you're you're feeling them, so you're not brushing them off. You're you're fully embracing them and saying right. like, "I welcome you as part of this experience." Being okay. I create I have space for you. There's enough space for you, and as you develop that within yourself. Then you have space in your relationships. Oh, someone, my partner is going through uh, shame or guilt or anger or sorrow or whatever. Uh, you have the space for them too. And you don't need to feel like you need to fix them. You can just hold that space for them and say, you know, I, I have the space for you as well because I have that space within myself. So in, in the Czech system, they teach I, we, and then all. So nourishing yourself, balancing yourself first, bringing that into your relationships and then going after the world issues and because you have enough of the inner vitality to actually confront you know big global issues versus mm -hmm. a lot of people they jump straight to the global issue and we need to do the inner work first before we can bring that further that is that that itself um is so important and we could have a whole different conversation on doing the inner work something that i heard before was how can you help others if you haven't helped yourself yet? Um, and I feel like that's that's important. And and that kind of um, because I I focused on the on the you know worldwide issues at first, and but I didn't focus on myself. And I um, after that reframe, it kind of makes more sense to focus on yourself. Be become that version of yourself that can help the rest of the world, because then you can do it at a accelerated more more productive way an effective way um and it, what's up i didn't mean to interrupt but also you'll be able to navigate your relationships which if you're going to tackle global challenges you're going to you most likely it's going to be very hard to do alone so the relationships are going to be crucial and uh and and your own management of yourself is going to allow your management of your relationships appropriately yeah, and I notice when you begin to work on yourself, when you become to help yourself, you'll encounter people who are doing the same thing because they energetically you just attune to that and and you come across people in that regard. So when I started working on helping myself, I I know there's there's a trend. It was a trend. I kept meeting people who were like minded in that regard, and it was super refreshing. And then it actually ended up like accelerating the helping yourself because you're 
be building relationships with people who want to do the same thing. But I wanted to I wanted to bring it back. I wanted to ask you, as someone who's practiced with this um, type of meditation, where you're listening between the space of thoughts, thinking about what the next thought will be, you know, energizing your attention on the space. What would you say to someone who is just starting out, who is who is new to this stuff and is has the desire, has the intention to want to optimize? but doesn't know where to start. So you just presented this, this, you know, meditation five minutes a day, focus on, on the space between thoughts. What, what exactly would you tell somebody to, to do in this practice and how, how else to go about it? Like what would be a deeper answer for this? I would say for someone in that situation to experiment um, and try different modalities, but don't try them uh really try them like give them a full experience uh, before you write something off but i would say explore the auditory meditations the guided meditations because some people do resonate with those and that can be a helpful entry well for me i started out doing tai chi and a very simple way to do that is you could just um, do a very simple movement like a breathing squat so you would be uh, exhaling down and you're squatting down and inhaling up, you can lift both arms up, exhaling down, and uh, only squat as deep as like uh, you can keep relaxed. And so the protocol for this is keep the tongue on the roof of your mouth, and uh, ideally you're hydrated, and you should be able to do this on a full belly. So if you just ate, you should be in a relaxed enough state that it's not going to disrupt your digestion. It should actually aid you. So it's not a workout. This is like a very relaxed breathing with movement and set a timer for like 20 minutes it might seem like a long time but a mentor of mine she had a client she was working with on this and she couldn't get rid of the mind chatter um and her mind just go 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 so she had her do that she actually did the, the tai chi with her and um the lady said on the 20th i think it was the 19th minute like her mind was going the entire time on that 19th minute she finally, it finally rested and she felt that bliss of stillness. So I, I would try that, get out in nature, ideally barefoot, uh, though, if you're like, um, you know, if you can be somewhere where you're not going to be seen, like if you have an issue, like people doing it, like I do this, like on the beach and stuff, but starting out, that was kind of scary. because I was like, oh, people are going to think I'm weird or whatever. Um, so if that's a problem for you, start out in, in a quiet space, space you feel safe and then yeah, go that full 20 minutes, see what happens. I find the moving and the breath really helps you to drop in uh, quicker. At least for me, I like to move my body. So that was a lot easier than the sitting stillness meditations that I cultivated later. Um, and there's other ones too, like just sound meditations. Uh, a really fun one that I've been enjoying lately is like just sit with a tree for like an hour. And yep. I mean, it doesn't have an hour, but I mean, if you do it for the hour, you'll realize like and be still and just allow nature to be around you. And it's so profound because you really realize that like you are part of this ecosystem. Like it's like a knowing you're just like, I am part of this ecosystem. You feel so united with it and one with it instead of like, Oh, that's nature. And I'm doing my human thing. And I'm in my house or I'm doing my job or whatever. Like you feel more, interconnected so that's a really fun one and that can be very healing just and you don't even need to like think of anything just sit there and don't move and see what happens <laughs> yeah that those are all great great examples and i um i recently practiced those the exercise with the tree where you just sit up on a tree and that that can be so powerful because you realize how how magnificent trees are and then when you're fixated on the tree, then you, then you start to hear the birds and maybe you'll see some squirrels and whatnot. And you'll notice the fine detail in the trees and the, and the pine needles and, and all the different types of shrubbery and stuff. And, and though, it, you know, it may seem boring, like you're not in the Bahamas or you're not in some, you know, completely foreign forest that's completely new to you. There's so much beauty and, and even just going out in your backyard in the woods like you are right here. Um, and you know, eventually you'll find a favorite tree and you'll go up on that tree and, 
and whatnot. And, and um, I, I know you've had, you know, you like to talk to the trees, even though that sounds like a woo woo for some people. Uh, I, I it, caveat, they don't like, it's not like a verbal thing. Yeah, it's not more like, like it's understanding. It's more like a, a feeling, like a sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't like when I say talk, I did not mean like you're actually talking to the tree like but, Yeah. The other day, like uh I had this it was a pretty funny experience. This tree was like I just felt this like really strong urge to like hug it. And I was like I had resistance to it though. I was like, oh like I got resistance to this because of like the tree hugger thing, like the hippies and I was like you know what? I'm just gonna hug this tree, and it and I was going through like some uh challenging uh like a lot depositing a lot of deep hurts, and so it actually felt very healing for my heart to just hug that tree and like allow myself. That's part of my openness experience of allowing myself to be open to new experience, uh, and creating more flexibility in my psyche. Um, so that was kind of a fun experience. <laughs> yeah, one time when I was seventeen, or maybe I was sixteen. I was I was a little bit younger and I was in California with my cousin and we were visiting my great uncle and he he was a part he was in that time time window where the hippie stuff was going on the Grateful Dead whatnot and so he was a little bit uh out there for for us and because you know I'm from I'm from the south and like he moved to California so it was just a completely different culture. Um, and we were in the Redwood Forest or the Sequoia Forest, and he, he was like, Stephen, come up here with me. I, I need to show you something. So he like he said, look at this Redwood right here. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm looking at it. And he was like, what I, what I want you to do is put your hands on this, on this tree. Now put your feet up on the tree and put your head on the tree and start listening for its consciousness. And I was like, he was doing it. And I was looking back at my cousin. I was like, what? what in the world is he wanting me to do like this sounds like the most crazy thing ever and then here we are like i don't know five four years later and i'm totally in agreement totally in accord like if he asked me to do it now i would 100 percent join him in putting my feet in my hands up on this tree for those of you who may uh want to have an experience like that um especially just getting into it uh, you can one way is you can lick your fingers and grab a leaf and just feel that way, or you can put your hands and feet on it and connect in that way. Uh, and notice what rises in your consciousness. So imagine you're you're cooking in the kitchen or doing whatever you're driving in the car, and you have these uh, thoughts uh, and emotions or whatever arise, like a like a daydream almost, like a stream of thoughts that you might think while you're cutting your food. You know what I mean? So that's very similar to how uh, the tree or plant might like communicate to you. It might just show up as that stream of thoughts that usually is you're generating or you think you're generating, which brings up another good point. But while you're like cutting in the kitchen or you're driving your car, kind of that stream of thoughts that comes up uh, when you're connected with the plant, usually that's how they'll communicate to you unless you have more refined um, abilities in connecting to them, such as like visual or auditory or uh, different aspects like that. And uh, I, I wanted to bring up before we got off as well, uh, another one of the very important pitfalls I haven't heard talked about as much in different like spiritual communities and stuff. And that is that we're always around um, lots of different spiritual beings of varying qualities. Uh, I don't like to look at them as good or bad, but they have qualities and characteristics um, varying from nature spirits to uh, different entities um ghosts not like in the sense of more so just people that have passed and their spirits are still uh, interacting on the land or in a house and so stuff like this we're always around uh, spiritual beings they're everywhere they're influencing us all the time so that's another reason that developing these practices is very important for developing discernment because um these beings will lead you astray and i've seen it a lot in the spiritual communities i think i came across on my travels across the United States, like five different people uh, claiming to be like Jesus Christ. Um, and so what happens, uh, I'll break this down. There's these beings, uh, Rudolf Steiner teaches about this. You have the Armon, uh, Armonic beings, Luciferic beings, and uh, like 
the Christ consciousness. These are three archetypal energies. Uh, I wouldn't look at it as good, bad, or whatever. I would just look at it as archetypal uh, qualities that have characteristics. And so the armonic beings are generally associated with deception. Um, they're more so where you would get Satan from. Satan's not actually Lucifer in the religious. Uh, Satan comes from Hasatan, which is a uh, Egyptian um, thing without going into a deep uh, thing on that. But I'll, I'll break down the qualities really quickly. So the Luciferic, a lot of deception. They're very much like the scientific materialist, the uh, over-identification of matter. These beings are addicted to matter. They're highly spiritual beings. They're very advanced, but they're addicted to matter. Um, and so that's on one end of the spectrum, if you imagine. Uh, there's more qualities, but that's the general gist of it. And there, that is the most strong force in our world right now, which is why we're seeing uh, the rollout of these different um, issues, a lot of the issues around the vaccines and the pandemics and all this different stuff. And also the materialism, the way that we're looking at science, that a lot of that has to do with this energy. Uh, and then you have the Luciferic beings. And these are also very advanced spiritual beings. Um, and they're beings of light. Um, though they are they do not value the human experience what it has to offer us and so they uh will trick you astray from it they're like oh like just ascend like oh you don't need this experience oh just check out a life like you don't need that uh and these are the luciferic beings are also the ones that if you have any inkling that you might be the uh whether you believe in reincarnation or whatever um if you have any inkling that in some kind of past life you may have been some kind of significant, uh, see, I had a little bit of my phone's dying, but um, yeah, if you have any sense you might have been a some kind of a significant figure, like oh, I'm the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, or I'm the reincarnation of some famous person, these beings will whisper in your ear and say, yes, yes, you are, like you're, and they'll hype you up and they'll get your spiritual ego going. So in that regard. Uh, it's my experience, like, stray away from identifying with any of that. If you have a sense that you might have been the reincarnation of someone uh, famous, don't read too much into it. Just kind of notice that, too, and don't identify too much with it because it's most likely, uh, unless you're highly discerning, it's most likely uh, being whispered in your ear by one of these beings. So I think just having the discernment, uh, and obviously you have the Christ beings, and these beings are that's the middle way. So these are two very polar opposites. Over-identification with spirit, over-identification with matter. The Christ consciousness is in the middle, um, the middle way. So these aren't bad energies. We can use the technology. We can use the material. We can use the spirituality, but finding that middle ground and being discerning in the quality of beings we're interacting with. And that comes through, uh, you know, developing this awareness. And that starts with becoming aware of when you are aware throughout the day that's the first step and then you can become aware of when you are being influenced by different forces outside of yourself um but that's a progression to that there's so much to unpack from that we could spend another hour but i know um that wouldn't be possible but i wanted to ask you are the um so the attachment to the um material are these uh, the luciferic ones are the material the matter Beings. No, the Luciferic is the, uh, the they're beings of life. And they're they're they do not value the human experience. Uh -huh. So they just want you to check out. Oh, just you don't even need to live. Like just like you know, go off into unity with everything. They often will lead people into a lot of drug experiences. I'm all for plant medicines when used appropriately and as an effective tool, and and you know, right set and setting all these kinds of things. But these beings will oftentimes lead people into too much of that because they're wanting them to check out of the physical and going too much into the spirit it can I also be and i've struggled that's not so much with the material but I, i've struggled like with these beings like before i became more discerning of them i was very much like way over there like wanting to check out of all of my worldly responsibilities wanting to check out of like the pain and all the stuff in the human experience just wanting to go into spiritual realms and it was not a balanced state to be in. And there's a lot of uh, detrimental, you know, consequences to that. Um, so finding that middle way and finding discernment as to what kinds of 
because I hear all the time there's all these channels and I, you know, all these energy healers and I've, I've seen it all in my travels and like just realize like most people, including myself, like will overestimate their own development and the quality of beings that they're interacting with may not be what they think and their intentions might be good, but they could be interacting with beings that are not necessarily in the mm, most pure intention. I understand. So my question would be, is intense identification with either material or spiritual qualities? So like identification with material qualities being gender or a spiritual quality being Christian, like a devout Christian. I know you said you like to go to Catholic church, so a devout Catholic or a devout Baptist. Are these certain identifications associated with these specific spiritual entities? So if I'm if I'm a man and then I say, well, you know what? I feel like I'm a woman. I like to wear women's clothes. I like to paint my nails. I like to wear makeup. I think I have a feminine voice and I think I'd feel better as a woman. And so that attachment to your gender, is that considered something that elicts itself from these spiritual beings? Potentially, I would say on that, like whatever, you know, if it feels good to you in the sense of like genuinely feels good from your core, just like, I think, in my experience of all this stuff and the astrology and like these different realms, uh, the gender stuff, all of it, I think it's all very useful tools, but it comes yeah. back to the mind tool for cutting. And I think that more we can bring the mind for most people, bringing the mind out of these things and seeing how does this genuinely feel? Not does that fourth chocolate chip cookie taste good. It makes me feel good in the moment, but does it make me feel good as a whole? And does it feel life affirmative for me? It does, you know, the gender thing make you feel life affirmative on a deep core level? Or is there some potentially some societal programming to unpack? And, and that's like an individual's own ex exploration um, right. on those things. So that's kind of my sense on that. Definitely people could be influenced by beings. I mean, we're always being influenced by beings for so many different things. So just being aware that like intuitions that you might have might not even be your own intuitions so to speak but that requires developing an honest exploration of who am i spiritually what am i here to do why did i choose this body this lineage why did i come at this point in all of incarnation and exploring exploring those and that's a very long process to explore uh, probably you know each of our lifetimes to uh, discover what is at the root of those questions Hmm. That's my, my uh, phone made at any moment, but we can keep going for as long uh, as it's all right. Um, it's all right. Um, so I I would think yeah I I've been battling with identification as a whole. Um, like I I think in some ways like I would identify too much with like jujitsu like oh I'm jujitsu guy whatever, and that's like, you know an identification and attachment to the material, and and so I think some people sometimes get an identification addiction to their their own material body in which they you know they want to um metamorphosis their metamorphize i don't know the word i change their gender i don't know how to but say it more bluntly i think there's a balance to it in my experience like all the like oh i'm a leo uh like in astrology or i'm a this like worker or whatever like all of that is like putting yourself in a box and creating like a container for you to be in and i think there is a balance to that for example to sacrifice means to make sacred through prioritization anyone who's ever achieved anything great in the world has made tremendous sacrifice which means they had a sacred goal in mind and they prioritize that now the beauty of that is if we align with thy will or that which wants to come through you what wants to move through you the sources that are inspired within you as you start to unpack your psychology your nutrition your emotions what wants to emerge is your true self 
And so you simply allow that self to move through you and to create in the world, to share in the world. That is aligning thy will with my will, aligning the conscious with the subconscious and becoming an integral being, which at this point in time, we need the world needs a hero. And, you know, each one of you is that hero and aligning yourself so that you can carry out your unique individual expression in the world and reflect that. And as you reflect love and devotion uh, to your kingdom, your kingdom will reflect love and devotion back to you. Dude, that was that was golden, man. Um, all right. So as we wrap up here, I want I've been looking forward to ask you this question in specific. Um, so when I close off these podcast episode, I asked the guests to if they had one thing they could tell the whole world, if they had one message they could share, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cliche, but just be you. And like, we need each of you that can just be you at, at this time and realize that no matter how small a task that you make um, on your own exploration that you're striving to do, moving through challenging emotions, moving through navigating your own psychology, your own relationships, a smile to a stranger, like each small action has tremendous ripples. Um, so keep bringing that awareness in and find that love within yourself and when that love is so full that it wants to come through you then share that with the world and that is aligning thy will with my will and that's like you know what we talked about earlier even when you're saying you know nourishing yourself like that is an act of thy will because you're filling your own cup so that you can be an instrument of creating more peace more beauty more harmony in the world if that's what you you know are inspired to do, if your soul has other motives, you know that's cool too, and honor that. Uh, but be discerning in the process. <laughs> Dude, that was that was killer, man. Um, I had the same response last week. The guy just said, "Don't be sorry for being for yourself," and I feel like that is so important, and that's a great, it's a great place for where for if someone wants to optimize their who they are and whatnot, the best place to start is just being okay with yourself and being okay with who you are and, and returning to that state where you can just be you and just embrace that. Well, you know, this tree here is just being its tree to the best of its ability. It's expressing its tree-ness just as you are expressing your humanness. And it's not perfect. It has, you know, a scratch here, some, some battle scars. It looks like it's been through a good long life. Uh, but it's still just being its treeness and expressing it to the best of its ability without uh, judging itself or saying, I did this bad or this wrong, or I could do this better. It's just being. And uh, each of us has that opportunity to express our I-ness in the world, to share in our we-ness in our relationships and to express our wholeness to the all. <laughs> Dude. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for spending time and dropping all these wisdom bombs. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this myself and take notes. Um, I hope if you're listening, you completely enjoyed this. You got something out of this and that you'll carry this with you from, from now on. And uh, I hope that this was helpful, uh, certainly helpful for, for me at least. I hope you enjoyed it, Eric. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd love to. Uh, I feel like we could go on uh, more and more. So I'd love to do yeah. another one sometime. And uh, it was a pleasure to be on here and to be able to share this message with you all. And uh, I'm very grateful. And aho, great spirit. Aho. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Yes. <laughs>